Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu certificate to learn more. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. You're listening to the MindShift Podcast, where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Nima Gobier. A really good story has the power to make the real world melt away so that there's nothing left but this unique world that the author created. In a new children's book titled Once Upon a Book, a young girl named Alice opens a book and is swept away on an adventure. It's a reminder that opportunities to explore distant places are sitting on our bedside tables and bookshelves. In a moment, we'll hear from co-authors Grace Lynn and Kate Messner about why they wrote Once Upon a Book. And they'll share advice on how to help kids cultivate a love of reading. Stick around to hear that conversation after the break. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Grace Lynn and Kate Messner, you're both prolific writers. When you set out to write a children's book, what are your overarching goals? Kate, you go first. Um, I grew up in a really small town that just felt insufferably boring to me at the time. Um, and books were my escape. My primary goal in making uh, really all of my kids' books is to, to help kids experience that same kind of wonder that I always felt growing up. 
curiosity has really always been my guiding force and encouraging that in kids and, and helping them to see wonder as something that's just truly transformative in our lives uh, is really a, a major goal with my writing. And it's one of the things I love so much about this book that Grace and I made together is um, it's all about wonder. Grace, how about you? You're an author and you illustrate all of your books. I want to create books that give kids a sense of home and uh, with the sense of home with welcome, safety, love, all those things. And so for me, the idea is that I hope that I create a book that becomes a reader's friend, you know, a best friend, like and a friend that can go on adventures with them, a friend that gives them the strength to to wonder and to uh, experience all these enchanting things, uh, but also in a way that they can do it without real fear. And I think the book that we created together does both. This girl, she keeps wanting to go someplace else and thinks that's what's going to make her happy, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't until like she goes all the way back home. You could see how the book brings the curiosity, the wonder to kids, and how it also brings a sense of home and a sense of place and belonging. Kate? Just to add to that, I think that, that stories are such good practice at being brave. We want them to be courageous and go out and explore, but we also know that they, we want them to know that they have this, this safe foundation under them. Because we do get scared in those pages, but we, we also know that we're here in the living room or here on the couch or here in, you know, under the covers in our bed. I love that. I love the idea of books as practice for being brave and books as friends. It reminds me of when I was a kid. So, Kate, in 2012, you gave a TEDx talk about how to build a fictional world. And in that talk, you say these imaginary places that authors make up have the power to change readers' perspectives on their own lives. So tell me, what aspects of world building show up in this book? When you set up a fantasy world, you're creating a whole society and the rules of that society and a social structure of that society. And when there's magic involved, you get to make the rules for how the magic works. And all of that, I think, plays into a Once Upon a Book as well, because world building helps kids to learn about story structure too, right? By the second or third page, kids are going to figure out how this works, right? That Alice gets to a place and she settles in and there's magic all around her. And then she starts to notice the things that make her uncomfortable about that place or the things that aren't quite right. And she wishes to go somewhere else. And our young readers are going to know that when they turn the page, they're going to find that new setting. It's a book about the transformative nature of books, but on a very surface level, it's about a girl who gets to go lots of different places when she wishes to. And so that world building played in there to make it predictable for the readers as well. I really like the way Once Upon a Book starts with this young girl who desperately wants to be entertained, and eventually she picks up a book. But that might not be the case for a lot of kids in real life, because recent surveys show fewer and fewer children are reading for fun. I know you both have kids, and I'm curious about how you helped your kids keep their wonder and interest in reading. The best thing was to let my daughter find her own books. As somebody who studies children's literature in college and, and somebody who loves the history of children's literature, I think that sometimes us as practitioners, sometimes we can get a little bit... <sighs> Snob snobby, <laughs> a little bit snobby on what makes a great book, right? In art school, uh, we were taught, you know, where are the where are the wild things, 
are uh, by Maurice Sendak is the pinnacle of children's literature, you know. But I remember very vividly bringing that book to my daughter when she was four years old. She's like, no, like she did not want to read the pinnacle of children's literature. <laughs> like She wanted like um, My Little Pony books and she wanted Curious George, not even the original Curious George, like, <laughs> like the, the cheap knockoff Curious George books, you know, like, and it was um, kind of letting go of this idea that I needed her to read good books is what I think really has made her love and enjoy reading is the fact that like I can really escape in any book I want like it's my choice my escape um Kate do you want to continue yeah I mean our kids are grown now I have a uh one in uh, finishing up college and one uh who's a an engineer out in the bay area and it's interesting you know he was our firstborn and when when he was growing up um, I had all these same lofty ideas about the stories I was going to read aloud to him in these wonderful award-winning picture books. And he felt like he was obsessed with construction vehicles. All we got to read was Working Hard with the Mighty Dump Truck. You know, these Tonka books from aisle seven at the grocery store next to the crackers. But the other thing is we had all those other books at our house, right? And they were always sitting around and they were always, you know, on the bookshelf and in the baskets and on the table and by the bed and all over the place and, you know, in piles on the floor that teetered precariously. Um, and I think when you you live immersed in words like that, you eventually find your way to the other stories. Grace, you also did a TEDx talk, and it was about books as mirrors and windows. And this is based on the mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors framework by a scholar named Rudine Sims Bishop. Can you explain that framework for us? Sure. The first thing you do in the morning probably is look out the window. But what you're really doing is you're seeing the world. Uh, and that is what a book can do. A book can show you the world, right? But if you stand kind of at a certain angle or even if you just look very carefully, you can see that the window not only shows you the world outside, but it can also show you a reflection of yourself. And that's also what a book can do. Both things are really, really important. Showing you the world is what gives kids a sense of empathy, uh, a sense of compassion. But books as mirrors is also really important. And that's something that a lot of people from marginalized um, groups have not had for a long time. Um, and books as mirrors is very important because that is what gives a child a sense of self-worth. It what tells them that they can be the hero in a book. They can be a change maker. They are the ones who have control in their world. Okay, so how can teachers and parents use the Windows and Mirrors framework to select books for kids? Grace, you answer first. The way that I often talk to teachers about this is usually from the lens of diversity and the idea of what um, what we often call cultural tourism, right? Uh, cultural tourism is something which um, is when like, it's Black History Month. So we are going to read about Martin Luther King and we're going to read about the civil rights. And then when February is over, we never see another book with a black character in it. My biggest fear is that after Lunar New Year's over, these students never see another book with an Asian character ever again. And it's kind of like, Asians only exist at Lunar New Year and, and Black people only exist in, in February, you know. And um, my suggestion is to make sure that the books that surround 
students and kids are diverse every single day. Like, for example, push the book with the black character on to the Asian child. <laughs> push the book with the Asian character onto the white child. They should be kind of like, what's the word? Flooded. <laughs> flooded with diverse books every day of their lives. 100% the flooding. But also um, when we talk about matching books to readers, I spent 15 years as a middle school English teacher. The thing that I miss the most is putting that one book in that one reader's hand. One real specific suggestion I have and a tip uh, for teachers and librarians and families too, anybody who puts books in kids' hands, is to recommend um, books in stacks. Instead of saying, well, look, this book has an Asian character and you're Asian, so you should read this book, which is, which is awkward and uncomfortable. Um, what we can do is say, oh, here are four books I think you might love. You know, when I was teaching middle school, I would have kids who um, I knew were dealing with various tough situations outside of the classroom. Maybe I knew they were, um, you know, struggling with a, a relative with addiction, or maybe I knew that they, um, you know, had some history that was difficult. And that would allow me to book talk five books and say, this book is about a character who struggles with this. And this book is about a character who does this. And this book is about this. And just present the stack of them and then go away. So that kid who might really need that one book can pick it, can choose it themselves without me you know, standing over their shoulder. Um, and that allows the child, even though you're recommending the titles and they've maybe asked for recommendations, to still feel like they're choosing that book. So it gives them ownership of the choice and it also allows them to make that choice on their own. That was Grace Lynn and Kate Messner. Their new picture book, Once Upon a Book, is out now. We'll have more minisodes coming down the pipeline to bring you ideas and innovations from experts in education and beyond. Hit follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. The MindShift team includes me, Nima Gobier, Kara Newhouse, Marlena Jackson-Ritondo, and Ki Sung. Our editor is Chris Hambrick, Seth Samuel is our sound designer, Jen Chien is our head of podcasts, and Holly Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. MindShift is supported in part by the generosity of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation and members of KQED. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.